Good morning. I want to greet each one in Christ's precious name this morning. Well, I thought that devotions went along well. Terrell's like, are you going to talk about um, Daniel again this morning? I said no. So he's like, well, I don't know how it's going to fit with your message. I thought it fit very well. His devotions was a warning to be ready. I would call my message a warning to be careful in the influences this year so that you are ready, so that you're not drawn away from the truth. About a year ago, I had a message about why am I an Anabaptist? So I thought about calling this message why I'm not a Protestant, but that, I didn't like that. By the time the end of the message, I, I prefer this title as a question, am I a Protestant or an Anabaptist? You may say, well, isn't this going to be talking about the same things? Um, I don't think so. Yes, some of it touches the edge of each other, but why should we be concerned about becoming Protestants? Some of you, and I think I've done it at times too, if you're passing someone on the street and they want to know what you are and you know they don't really want to take the time to hear your full beliefs sometimes it's easier to just say I'm a Protestant than to say well are you a Catholic a Mormon or you know what are you because if you say you're a Mennonite a lot of people that just doesn't mean much or an Anabaptist they don't know what it means but is there a difference in our beliefs from the general sense of the word Protestant I believe there are dangers, just as there are dangers in a Mennonite church and a Baptist church, but there are even more dangers to a Christian attempting to live out their faith in a Protestant church, and that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at why we need to be careful. Do I believe there will be Protestants in heaven? Definitely. But I believe many who call themselves Christians and go to Protestant churches today It's very easy for them to become far from a biblical practice and their hearts can be far from God without even realizing it because some of the things that are taught in those churches. Fifty years ago, 75 years ago, I think it was different it was harder to be influenced if you did not actually attend a protestant church but today we can very easily be influenced through social media youtube videos and other modern communications through the internet and not even realize that our worldview our theology is slowly or rapidly sliding towards a Protestant view of the Bible and biblical commands and away from the Anabaptist understanding of taking everything that's in the New Testament and attempting to live it out biblically. Do I believe it's wrong to read any books written by Protestants or watch any YouTube videos by Protestants. No, I do that. I watch videos online 
I have video. I have books in my library written by Protestants, but it should be done with discernment because there are things that are taught, and we're going to look at those later in the message that can harm us spiritually. I believe all true Christians agree that what is in the heart of man is more important than what's on the outside. And that's what the Protestants would teach. So why why is that why is their focus then go too far? Turn with me to Matthew chapter twenty three, and I'm going to begin at verse twenty three. Without having a clock back there, I do tend to look at that about every ten minutes just to kind of gauge how I'm doing in my notes. Um, I'll try not to look back more than this once just to see where I'm starting at. And um, but also try to honor the spirit as I go through here and preach what I feel I need to preach this morning. So Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto the white sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So I want to recognize at the beginning here that, yes, it's one of the struggles of being in a conservative Anabaptist church is being like the scribes and Pharisees and having the outside all looking good. You're following the rules. You're dressing the way the church wants you to dress. But inside, you are not walking with God. You're not living in obedience to his word. And that's where the Protestants have taught correctly from a long time that the most important thing is the heart that... It is wrong to just have the outside looking good, but the inside to be sinful and far from God. But it clearly says here that you don't, that doesn't mean that you don't worry about the outside, that you don't let the outside be unclean. And today, as I talk about the inside and the outside, there are commandments in the New Testament that are definitely about the inside, the heart, the condition of where we're at spiritually. But then there are commandments that address the outside and how we should live externally. And if you're uncomfortable with that this morning, then I question whether maybe you haven't been influenced by Protestants around you or Protestant-type thinking. 
Just because we want to stay out of the ditch of becoming a Pharisee or being a Pharisee doesn't mean that we get in the other ditch of saying, well, the only thing that matters is the heart. Jesus made it clear here that both matter should start by working on the heart, but should also have the outside be clean. There are, I think, tendencies at time for some people, depending how you were raised, depending on your uh, personality, that it seems like it's easier to be a Pharisee, have the outside look good, just follow the external rules, but not have to work on the inside and have an actual true relationship with Christ. And so with that understanding, Protestant churches will hammer at and focus on the fact of your heart being right with God. You need that. And it's true. As Jesus was saying, the weightier matters, that the more important things are the internal. But it doesn't mean that you ignore the external. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Before I start into that, I wanted to share a little bit. I hope that this example doesn't offend anyone in in any way that's not a good offense. But I I hope I make sense in talking about this. But in thinking about many people today who have fallen away from a biblical and even from any relationship with God, that two or three generations ago were in a Mennonite and an Anabaptist church. I was listening, I was involved in a conversation in Canada uh, a couple weeks ago when we were up there for Christmas. And it just seemed like uh, just a, another, it was just exactly what I observed and heard of many of my own, uh, my mother's cousins who would have grown up here at Salem who left the Mennonite faith saying all we need to do is be a Christian. All we need to do is be right with God on the inside. Today, their grandchildren and great-grandchildren don't even know God on the inside. So why does it matter? What, what is the strengths of our Anabaptist faith that make a difference from just being Protestants. You could argue that, well, some of them were so tied up in the rules of the Mennonite church that when they left, they just rejected everything and they just didn't know when to stop. And that may be true for some, but I believe that when you only say the only thing that matters is the inside It only takes a generation or so to lose everything on the inside also when you've said everything on the outside does not matter. So Matthew chapter 7, verse, uh, beginning at verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns 
or figs of thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. I'm going to stop there. What is it saying here? It's saying that if you want to know if someone is truly a believer, is truly a Christian, you look at their fruits. And yes, some fruits are spiritual fruits, but I believe that Protestants, by and large, tend to say, well, those, the only fruits are spiritual fruits. But I believe there are also fruits that show on the outside of a believer in the way they live their lives and the way they follow the outside commandments, as I talked about earlier. It works in the same way when it talks about in the scriptures that what's on the inside will come out. I believe what's on the outside will come in, if you understand what I'm saying. If we, on the outside, behave just like the world does, it will gradually change us on the inside and we'll be no different than the unbelievers around us. It's easy for us to say that, um, look at the Catholics and pick out the distinctions between us and Catholics. We don't trust in Mary or the Pope for our salvation, but it's easy for us to replace those with other things. So we do need to be careful as Anabaptists that we don't just replace the sacraments and the, uh, the, the, the false sacraments of the Catholic Church and those things with our own Mennonite equivalent of that. But at the same time, this does not mean when we're following biblical commands that those are wrong and that there are sacraments. There are things that are man-made and not of biblical command. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. I was saying earlier how uh, we were talking about Anabaptists. Conservative Anabaptists do have struggles. I believe there are ultra-conservative Anabaptist groups that do tend to only care about the outside. And this morning I'm not talking about that. We here at Salem, I believe, do teach and do care strongly about what's on the inside of the heart. It's not just how you dress and behave. But at the same time, we can't ignore those things. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, And behold, they brought to him this man sick of palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, saith unto the sick of palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes sit within themselves, this man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is it easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, 
and go unto thine house. So if Jesus would have done the Protestant thing, he would have said, well, your sins are forgiven. And that's all you need to do. Don't worry about the rest. But Jesus also cares about the things on the outside. He cares about other things other than just the heart condition. He cared about them physically. He cared about their their lives and how they would live it. And so I believe, yes, maybe, I don't want to take this way out of context, but I believe he cared both about the spiritual and the physical. He didn't ignore one for the other. Definitely, we see through Jesus' work here on earth that the more important things are the heart. But he also cared about behaviors and those kind of things. Does it matter to us what people do in their personal lives? Or do we say, well, as long as you're a believer, that's all that matters? As I mentioned earlier, the inside affects the outside, but the outside, I believe, also says the same. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 39. And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eyes, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou be able to clearly pull the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit, but every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Why And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I shall show you to whom he is like. He is like a man who built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the house flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation, but built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. I would say that the spirit, the, the foundation, as it speaks of here, the spiritual foundation starts in the heart, but it cannot end there. It would be like building a good foundation, but never putting walls and roof over that foundation to protect it. Also, on the other side of it, only doing the outward commands and not allowing God to change our heart would be like building walls and roof on sand without a good foundation. We need both. We need that good foundation, but we also need the walls and the roof to protect it. 
I want to go through a few things now that we find in many Protestant churches. You'll be able to say, well, this church doesn't believe that or that church doesn't believe it. I'm not talking high percentage, many Protestant churches, and many of them are heading in a more and more unbiblical directions today. One of the things that we find in, uh, or I'll just read through them, give some comments as I go. Calvinism. The heart is all that matters, just accept Christ. Try to do the best you can. But if you can't, they're really not that important. It's only the heart. Acceptance of remarriage. God wouldn't want you to be unhappy. And today we see the next step of that after a couple generations of allowing remarriage. There are people even in churches today that aren't even married at all, just shacking up. Acceptance of homosexuality. More and more churches are struggling, Protestant churches are struggling today to actually call this sin. And I think it's because of the previous thing I mentioned of the acceptance of remarriage, the acceptance of just shacking up. How much different is it to be able to choose your style of sexuality? Acceptance of abortion. It may not be openly promoted, but it's not necessarily being taught as uh, being taught of its evil. Acceptance of fighting and killing. The idea, and I've said this before, but the idea that of war, that there's an evil side and a the other side fighting the evil, which basically amounts to the idea of a holy war against the evil. Or they try to say, well, this one's the aggressor and the other is doing it in self-defense, so the self-defense makes it okay. This is another problem within the Protestant churches as a whole. Another one is overemphasis on God's love and grace and the underemphasis of sin and the need for repentance and victory over sin. Another one is modesty. In many Protestant churches today, we don't see much difference in dress and behavior between the Protestants and the ungodly. If the culture around you dresses modestly, then it would be fine to find the to, to use the to dress the same as them. But if you're honest and look at most cultures in the world, there's usually something that they do that's immodest, and I believe it's goes back to the heart of man wanting to resist God and his commands if we're not a believer. Pop culture, social trends, movies, and music. Question for you, is my attitude and worldview being influenced by movies, books, and entertainment of the world? Many Protestants ingest all the same material that the ungodly world around them do. And then it's no surprise that they don't act or think much differently than the world does. And I believe there are many Anabaptists today struggling with the same thing, struggling with, especially with the induction of the, or the, the coming in of the smartphone now about 15 years ago. Many of those things are available at our fingertips. We don't have to go to the movie theater or to town to see those things, to buy those things. And it's one, this area is one that 
I struggle in knowing where do I draw those lines? What things are okay to use? And what things are influencing me either into Protestantism or into the world? In conclusion to all those things that I mentioned, I'm sure there were others that you may have thought of, things that I missed, but if you are wavering or struggling on any of those issues that I mentioned, then it's very likely that you're being influenced by Protestant teaching or the ungodly world around this. And it's just my warning, my challenge to you this morning as you go into this new year, there's going to be things that we cross paths with that are going to try to take us away from God, take us away from His Word. Are we using caution and discernment? Are we just taking it all in and enjoying what we hear and see? We're at the time of year where a lot of people make make new goals, refresh old goals, or make just light-hearted resolutions. But I hope that we can set some goals as believers to spend more time in God's Word, to be careful with what we take in, making sure it's biblical, making sure it's godly, and going to build up our spiritual lives and the spiritual lives of our family. Those things that we should be setting goals on, prayer, Bible reading, building relation, family relationships and other godly relationships. Just as Terrell talked in his devotions, we don't know how long we have. We shouldn't wait until 2024 to do it. We should do it now. And my final challenge to you this morning, don't neglect the lesser commands of God's words. Yes, if you are not a believer this morning, especially if you're an adolescent, a child that's on the edge of where God is starting to call your heart to Him, if He is calling you, don't wait for 2024. Don't wait six months. Come to someone in the ministry or your parents or a godly friend and talk to them about it. If you're a believer and you know the, you know the truth but you've been struggling, find someone to share that with and to seek help. And seek God most of all. That so this year can be one of growth biblically and spiritually and not struggle and falling away from Him. And as I said, there's areas here that I talked about this morning that I have to look at my own life and reflect and make sure that I'm doing what I need to be doing, make sure I'm not being influenced by false teaching or the world around me. So I hope it was an encouragement, a challenge to you, something to think about as we start in this new year, 2023. We don't know what it holds as believers, we know that if we're ready to meet Christ, the worst thing that could happen is that when 2024 comes around, we're no longer here. We're with Him. But if we're still here, 
we can be faithful to him no matter what comes our way. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that you've given us to help walk with us on this journey. Help us, Lord, not to look at the shiny objects around us that the world puts out there, but help us to take that time and energy instead to focus on your word and on you. And through that, help us, Lord, to, as we looked at in the Sunday school lesson, to work on our relationships within the brotherhood, to be there for one another so that we can each cross the finish line faithful to you. Just pray, Lord, you just be with the rest of today. Be with Dwayne as he brings the message this evening. And I pray that your name would be lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen.